When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up? Hello, everybody. It's Sunday night, and uh, that means it is time for another episode of Explain Yourself. I'm here with my co-host, Joey Galvez. Joey, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. I'm here in the dark because (laughs) it is no, just there's no reason for it because I just didn't want to turn on my lights. So I'm going to be sitting here in the dark with you guys a little bit. So how's it going? Going going good. Actually, that reminds me. We had a couple blackouts here, uh, like five seconds or so. Oh, really? So. You may see me go go dark as well. Uh, I hope not. I hope no. <laughs> if so, we'll uh, we'll we'll see you guys next. To time. carry on without me, yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, but yeah, man, I'm doing good. It's been a it's been a crazy fun week. Uh, I mean, we're gearing up for Christmas here in the next couple day, days uh, weeks. Man, I'm, how have you guys been? I know you just finished wrapping up some presents, didn't you? I did. I got. I, that was the big the first batch of presents is wrapped. Um, we got to ship them all back to Ohio, so. We're kind of just looking to get those out of the way as soon as possible, yep. so we can have our living room back, which would be nice. <laughs> uh, that's that's same thing here. Uh, we, we luckily we had uh, sent all of our presents to to Grandma's house, so that they're not here <laughs> taking any room <laughs> up. But so they're taking up Nana's house, so she has to deal with all that. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's what we're preparing to do. They're going uh, going to mom and dad's. Uh, we may actually just send them all to mom and dad and have them distribute them. So. we'll there we'll you see go. if we decide to, to go with that or if uh, we do the right thing and send it to everyone individually. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> very, very cool, man. So what, what do we got this week? So we have a great guest this week with a really cool comic called The Return of Jake Sunrise um, named Dean Page. Uh, Dean, we're going to bring you in a second here. Um, all right. And here we are. Dean Page. How's it going, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's good to uh, good to meet you. Yeah, so I, we saw I saw the comic um, uh, a few days ago and just thought it was really cool looking. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, the Return of Jake Sunrise. Uh, well, the Return of Jake Sunrise is like a weird West story, so it's uh, not necessarily historically accurate, but sometimes it leans into like themes from history, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really kind of somewhat of an abstract horror story where it's not necessarily about fear or about terror. It just kind of incorporates those elements into uh, kind of this dream world, sort of. And the main character is uh, kind of mute, like he doesn't speak, not necessarily because he can't. Um, Mm -hmm. And each issue is told 
sort of from the perspective of the people that he meets since he doesn't speak. And uh, that's why each issue has a different artist. Yeah, very cool. Um, it has to, to speak of the artwork, it's beautiful stuff. Um, this was like, I, I thought, like just really heads in the above or heads and shoulders above everything a lot of other indie comics I see. So this was a really cool looking book um, uh, to look at. I love your logo as well. That's uh, something people kind of can skimp on a little bit sometimes, but uh, that's a great logo too. Um, oh, thanks. That logo is actually from um, an artist that I'm working with on uh, another story uh, called Cosmo Natalia. Mm -hmm. um, and I met him just kind of, you know, on Facebook, like looking around at different uh, comic artists and stuff like that. And, uh, Originally, I, I had him, and he still is going to be uh, drawing the sixth issue, mm -hmm. um, which is the final in like the series. Um, but then we started working on this other thing, and I was working on some different logos, and he was like, hey, let me give the logo a shot. And he just slapped that together and was like, what do you think? <laughs> and I was just like, wow. And uh, so, I mean, that's why I really encourage, I see a lot of guys out there who are comic writers or like aspiring to be and want to hook up with artists and they're like, but I can't like afford to pay you. And like, I don't really think that's a good way to start out a relationship. <laughs> I actually, I just saw a post on one of my comics groups today saying like, if anyone wants to help to develop this like horror sci-fi book, I'm working on it now. I have literally no money. So it would just be half of the total, uh, you know, whatever money we make. I thought, wow, that's just, I appreciate, I guess the honesty of this person, but uh, the self-awareness was not there. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, for me, I have a full-time job. I'm a, I'm a school teacher, uh, but I deliver pizzas at night and I teach guitar on the weekends to pay the artists. <laughs> you know, I do what I got to do to make sure that they get paid. At, at least offer something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> if you really believe in the product, like you get those second and third jobs, you get your money together and like, then you just figure, well, on the plus side, they're commissioned. So if I if this thing winds up blowing up, like I get most of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've seen artists get mad about that stuff, and not. I mean, I know that there's different. Yeah, every deal is structured differently. Um, I know there's been a lot of news, like with some of the artists that worked on like Invincible or Walking Dead, feeling like they were cheated out of something. I've always felt like, you know, what their deal is is obviously whatever it was. I think that when you look at the work for hire stuff, like. I've seen, I think a lot of people are creating projects one of both ways. They, they want to like not pay as much and say, Oh, it'll be kind of equity, but they actually don't want to share equity. Um, they think, well, this was all my idea. And I think there's, there's kind of, uh, you know, a disconnect there where people are, aren't really looking at like, Hey, if this is work for hire, cool, but it's all theirs once I'm done with it. I think that's totally fair. And if somebody does want to take a chance on the book uh, with a writer and say like, yeah, I'll, I'll just be in for 50% of the property. That's fair too. But um, you know, people are not really good about signing contracts or, or putting that stuff out there in advance. And it's it always uh, can cause some problems. So it's good. To, it's good when people have a plan to do that and don't, uh, you know, don't let it uh, roll down the hill until it's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, like how, and how you establish establish those relationships is important, too. You know, like I think a lot of writers, they want to come into it like they're the boss. And I suppose when you're hiring work for hire, you sort of are. Yeah, but at fair. the same time, like. Uh, you don't necessarily have to act like it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really important, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it winds up paying off down the road. It really does. You know, like you want to talk about like saving money. Like I think mm -hmm. the artists that I work with, like I pay them what they ask for, but like sometimes they're just like, no, nah, it's cool. Cause like 
we do things back and forth. I do things for them for free. They do things for me mm -hmm. for free. And like you establish a relationship of trust. And, you know, if you want to go the pro route, you can. But like for me, the thing I really like about comics is that it's collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something you know, different people have different methods. I mean, if I look at yeah. some of the scripts I've gotten as an artist, some people are just like, yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now other people have like i've gotten one script that was literally a page and a half to describe you know the first page i'm like oh my god this is some alan moore stuff here and it wasn't bad. It was just that was their process. <laughs> and then you get other ones that are that don't necessarily. I, I had some scripts years ago I got where like you could tell the writer kind of had a bit in their head, but it didn't it didn't make sense. It wouldn't work visually or you had something that was kind of out of order. Like, well, this would need to happen on the left side of the page at the beginning, but then at the right side of the page, the next panel, you know, and it just doesn't happen. And I get that a lot with storyboards as well. So it's it's something where writers have a different process and artists have a different process and the more people can communicate and really the more people know more about what the other guys are doing uh, and what their challenges are, the better that works. So yeah, I think that's definitely a way to look at it. That communication is huge. And then like with that communication, like the ability to adapt, you know, like I'm more on the flip side, but, and I, I totally agree. Just like with different movie directors, some are like mm -hmm. super involved with every stage of the process. And, you know, I'm more like, I like to find people that I really like and then just like say, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of just let it happen and, you know, do what I can along the way to help them, you know, shine their skills. Mm -hmm. And for each issue, it's where I'm working with the, uh, the same crew except for the line artist. So it's okay. the same letterer, the same colorist, the same flatter. Um, the only thing different is the line artist for each issue. So hopefully that kind of, gives it a sense of cohesiveness. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the colors on this were really nice. They had a good um, kind of an Alex Sinclair bit to them. Like at least on the environments, uh, the shading on the characters is, is a little more cell shaded, which is cool too. But I thought this was really professional stuff. And I've said that I've harped on this a few other times on our show, but um, so many indie comics have really good line art. And then the color is just like not quite there. And it's always nice when, you know, that, that part of the process is, is, there's time taken for it and you get somebody that's really going to do a good job. And I think in your case, cause you're trying to create a little bit of continuity uh, between story while changing artists. Um, you know, that's a really important, a uh, really important thing to make sure it's shining and working well. Yeah. I mean, I lucked out uh, this guy, uh, Juan uh, Manuel Garti uh, Gutierrez. He's from Argentina mm -hmm. and uh, he's pretty awesome. Like he is yeah. really fluid and he adapts his style slightly for the different line art of each issue. Cause this one, I mean, I don't know what style I would necessarily call a braze. Um, he's also doing a book called Phelan Wood, which is uh, mm -hmm. like a fantasy story, you know, like a medieval fantasy sort of story. No. Oh. 
cool. um, with a different writer, Ton Kramer. Uh, that's pretty pretty awesome. I think it's coming out through Odyssey Comics. Um, oh. And yeah, Bray just has like this really unique style. I don't know what it is about this cover specifically, but it reminds me of... Um, what was that video game from the eighties where it was like a cartoon and you were a space ace. And then there was that. Oh video. yeah. And there was dragon age or dragon, dragon lair, dragon lair. Yeah. Dragon lair. Yeah. Dragon I don't know what it is about this, but it kind of reminds me of that with like the girl and then like yeah. kind of looks, she has that ditzy look, but then mm -hmm. like her personality is totally kind of throughout the issue. She's not necessarily damsel in distress is the mm -hmm. best way to put it. Yeah, I was I was kind of going through the pages, but I know there was uh, some like distant nudity in the in a few panels. I didn't want to didn't want to throw up on YouTube, so I went back. But, <laughs> no, no, there's no nudity. I promise. <laughs> I thought I saw some. I, I think there were like some victims strung up somewhere, and I thought, oh, let's keep uh, make a note of that. But I could yeah, be wrong. <laughs> I don't know if there's nudity. Yeah, because I don't know. It's something I'm cognizant of as a as a school teacher. Like if I do it, it's gonna a, a more like specific. Mm -hmm. uh, Cosmo okay. Natalia was sort of a play is sort of a play on that that's kind of like a uh, Barbarella style story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah this one I really wanted it to be something that like was for like a lot of times I feel like comics are written for teens and like yeah, kids but, so. and like adults read them whereas like I'd rather write something that's for adults that kids can read you know that's not necessarily like inappropriate for them to read it's just they might not think it's as fun <laughs> it might not be as like glamorous although you know like this issue is about i mean each issue is sort of about kind of a cliche superficial topic right like this one's just about like cannibal mutant hillbillies which i guess would be like hills have eyes and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then the second issue has sort of like a frankenstein's monster and the third issue has like a, a sasquatch and a vampire circus oh, um wow. okay and then the fifth issue has like a poltergeist, like a haunted house. And the sixth issue has like witches and stuff like that. Wow, cool, very cool. So you're you have this up on Global Comics. Um, did you did you do a Kickstarter for this? Did you what's your what's been kind of your approach to getting this out there? Did you go straight to Global Comics? Did you work with the publisher? Did you crowdfund? Like kind of how did you how did you get started with this? Uh, well, I did Kickstarter for this one and then for the second one. I did. I tried doing one for the third and fourth and it didn't go. <laughs> but like, you know, the first one's always going to be the most successful when you do like a Kickstarter sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of it's about like getting out there and people seeing it, right? If they don't know it's there, it's hard for them to, you yeah. know, want to contribute. And that's the hardest part. But I mean, for me, I'm more trying to get into uh, like stores and cons and stuff like that or like selling direct eventually setting up a website. Mm -hmm. um so for me i more looked at kickstarters as like a way to subsidize it mm -hmm. uh and also to motivate me to give myself like deadlines <laughs> so i could be like nah man you gotta have it done by this arbitrary date right like if you set up a kickstarter it's pretty good at motivating you to like yeah. get it all together make sure you fulfill and all that stuff yeah absolutely and then you start to do cool merch like um <laughs> i did like belt buckles uh like this of the logo. Oh, cool. bring these, up these ones I think are like super awesome. I love these things. Well, that is that's fantastic, and that's the, that's the stuff. Let's talk a little bit about that because uh, you know we're 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 on the marketing side of things, right? Uh, Ben's done been doing this for what twenty something years, twenty plus years. Ben, yeah, yeah, it's getting yeah. up there now. Yeah. <laughs> so 
so we're in the marketing <laughs> side of things so we, we kind of we i love talking about this because you're right it, comic books is just one side of this thing right the story is one side of this you want to create a brand and i, I want to talk to you a little bit about how how you brand let's talk a little bit more about the, about the different things because i know something like like a belt buckle that's that's kind of that's kind of a big undertaking for to to mass produce or something like that. So how do you approach these different things and, and these different uh, price points and and ways that you uh, are going to market your your work? Uh, well, I mean, I think I lucked out with the logo. It came out so cool. I was just like, oh man, I got to use that now. Uh, and Randy happens. Randy uh, Nunley, he's the guy who did that and did uh, Cosmo Italia. He. Uh, he also did the, st- the uh, you know, like little mini busts that we have. This is the mini bust. He designed this as well, too. Oh, this is just cool. one of the prototypes because I was trying to figure out how do I, how do I uh, secure it <laughs> so that when it ships, it gets there safely. And that's another part of the whole, like, production process, right? Like, figuring out how do I get it to the customer in one piece. How to market uh, your brand, how to market your the different ideas that you have and something like that right how, so how do you find how do you how do you you know shorten that that margin right where you are, are you, you're not hemorrhaging money you'd have if, if you want to get it depends on like what your goals are and i guess what your financial situation is because uh what you really got to do if you want to have like a good price point is mass produce but then you need more money up front mm-hmm. um and unless your name's already sort of out there like yeah. a lot of the ones that blow up are already people who like yeah. either done comics before or maybe they have a popular youtube channel i've seen ones where it's like some dj in europe and then he puts up a kickstarter for a comic and it just like explodes or yeah, like Jonah no, reeves did one right and uh wesley snipes you know stuff like that um we're not gonna talk about those comics because <laughs> but it's like you know unless unless you like unless you have a following people aren't really going to know it exists cj hudson in the house talking about another uh, uh yeah. kickstarter all-star um, but yeah, I mean, so like, that's the hard part about trying to do it on Kickstarter. Like, I don't necessarily know that Kickstarter is going to be the best way forward if people are trying to come up from nothing. You know, if you're trying to come up from just like making a comic, I don't know mm-hmm. if Kickstarter is necessarily your best way to go. Yeah. Uh, See, I think it, too many I, right now, right now, what we have is well, Kickstarter is the best place I feel in my own opinion. Um, I have been involved in 26 campaigns that that were not mine. Uh, only none of them were actually mine, and we were so I helped them market and, and all that stuff. We can talk about all that later. But 26 campaigns, and I've come to the the realization that Kickstarter is one of the best places for you because they have all the tools. Number one, they were probably they were here first, right? Because they were first, they made a made a you know a foundation for themselves. So it's a little hard to shake that foundation a little bit. But every single day we have people who are shaking up these foundations. You know, you have people like like Zoop, like you know, ben, Ben's been using Zoop. Right. And he likes Zoop a lot and he's going to continue to use it because they took over and handled a big, huge part of the things that he was having a headache about marketing and and building the campaign and thinking about all the price points and all that stuff mm-hmm. right so that's the stuff that kind of gives people headaches sometimes right and um so and then and then but you also have things like uh comics one app that the comics.one app that we're we're going to be talking to we're going to be working with our buddy who is based out of australia and he's going to be having that we're going to be doing a soft launch for his brand new crowdfunding website 
Uh, we're going to do one one campaign, see how it goes. We're helping him with promotion. We're going to help him build the, the campaign out. And and we're going to and what's cool about his place is not only does he have a crowdfunding space to you, for you to sell your books just like like Kickstarter would, but he also has a marketplace. And now you can also upsell and sell your back stock right then and there to people, you know, live. You can also it's also has a social media side of things. So now you don't have to leave that site to target the people that you want. You can stay there on that site and they don't have to leave that site either to purchase anything from you. So it's like this, all these ideas that people have and they're creating these different things and, and not one thing is perfect. Right. But right now I think we we're we, because people are still trying to kind of work those kinks out right now. Kickstarter, I feel like has the most of every tool that people can, you know, use that is, you know, solidified and set in stone that this is, this works. It's, it's been working for years. Well, and it's super simple to set up, you know, and I think like a lot of people fresh out the gate, like they might think, well, shit, this is going to cost me like (laughs) three or four grand. So I'm going to set my like goal at three or four grand. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I wouldn't recommend that at all. Um, (laughs) I think that's like, the worst thing you could do if you're if it's your first one and like you don't necessarily have a following so yeah. then like i would say what you got to do is put in like the extra work you know like i have a little bit of downtime uh at the end of this month because i'm a teacher so i'm going to be looking at like setting up uh indiegogo because you know like there's not necessarily mutual exclusivity through these things so you can do a kickstarter and you could do an indiegogo and you could even like experiment with well what are you doing that's different you know mm-hmm. like maybe you do a pack of three instead of just individuals when you do Indiegogo and just do those every, you know, every three instead of every single one and then mix, mix it up and see which ones work best for you. And kind of, cause I don't necessarily think that a lot of people, when they make a comic book that they're not planning on making to sell, do you know what I mean? It's just an idea they have, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like when it's not something they're trying to sell, it's more just an idea in their head. They're not thinking of who their target audience is. Like, yeah. that's not a thought in their head. They're just like, this is the story mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, that's, I think, fine, too. I think there's a lot of... They are. Even, yeah. if you, even if you did, you might not be able to find them. So I think that's why it's important to, like, try, like, Zoop and try Kickstarter and kind of mm-hmm. move around. I think Kickstarter is the first thing because it's so easy to set up. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so yeah. easy that like drop down page and looking at other people's mm-hmm. really gives you a nice um template cj hudson says uh kickstarter has a built-in audience of people that just go there to look for comics without even specifically looking for something that isn't as prevalent on other crowdfunding platforms that's um, what i was going to say i completely think, agree with that yeah it, and then i would even say um you know people go specifically to kickstarter because it's it's so a lot of the times it's what they know right i i'm a little afraid to go and put some of my money over to the other places because i'm not i don't know it and i'm not mm-hmm. familiar with it right i think that's what it is for a lot of people right they just that. don't want to mm-hmm. and yeah. they don't well, want to it's an extra right step too that's the thing yeah. if right. you extra step. yeah and, it, and there are good reasons to go to other places i mean what i i love that indiegogo lets you like kind of keep a campaign open after the campaign's like finished because I, I think there's a lot, there's a good experience there as far as like hopefully working with your audience to bring more people in. I, I think that's a great feature. I think Zoop has great features for somebody like me that does everything their, themselves. 
but I think the big everything does kind of orbit around Kickstarter right now, just because there are people there. Um, that's where that's where like the foot traffic is, so to speak. Um, and there's yeah. you get you have to, I think you have to have a good reason to go somewhere else, and and that comes from thinking about what you're trying to do and what kind of experience you can offer. And to get back to what you were just saying, Dean, about some people just have this like idea, but they're not thinking about the audience. They're not thinking about, I guess, how it would be cool for a reader to consume that idea. I think that's true. I think you do need both. You can't really just start off thinking, uh, what do people want? All right, let me do that. But you do need to, once you have your, I think you kind of have to start with your idea that's for you, but you have to step back at some point after that and being like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to get out of doing it. Yeah. But then I got to think of like what offerings are going to at every step, be that the cover art, be that the story, be like when things happen in the story and certainly also how you're presenting the whole thing, whether that's a trailer, whether it's just posts on Twitter, you got to really look at it. Once you've made your decision to do that story, you've got to really put on your other hat and say, all right, what's going to bring people in? What do people like Do people that that fits with my story? If this is a story that has some similarities to something that's popular, I'm going to find a cool way to bring that in. And, uh, and, and try to make sure that I'm not just making it for myself. Because I think you're right. I see a lot of stuff that is like very, very made just for themselves. Um, and sometimes yeah. that works and, and that's sometimes fine. it doesn't. And then that's fine, right? Those are those ones like like we we recently worked uh, with somebody who had the passion to do, to do this artwork. And those people who do that, it, I, I love them because they're the type of people that are not going to stop. Right. They're going to continue mm-hmm. to to create whatever, whatever and whenever they're going to create it. And I love that. Continue to do that because we need that in this world. Um, uh, I want to go to here because I, I agree with uh, the Batman nerd says uh, <laughs> the independent comic book industry is booming because of crowdfunding. Um, I, I think I had to I'd have to agree with this because um, I, I, I backed a few uh, Kickstarters like back in the day. It was like. I wanted to say back in the day, it was probably like eight years ago. <laughs> it's not that back in there, but, but crowdfunding, if you're thinking about crowdfunding, it kind of, it kind of it, it is back in the day because mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of how this, this medium, especially crowdfunding on Kickstarter is, is this crazy thing that just, it's always moving and it's never the same. And it's, and uh, so, so what worked uh, two years ago, probably doesn't work now what's working now is probably not going to work two years from now right so it's like always this this crazy thing that that kickstarter this crowdfunding space is right so so i I think what i'm getting at here is is back then um it was it was great but 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 the direct market was kind of pushing forward the independent space right just maybe Mm -hmm. three or four years ago maybe a year before the pandemic uh, into indie comics in the direct market were huge and they were booming and they were going crazy, uh, right? It was skin every single week. You had at least four or five small indie publishers in the DM that were dropping some gems, man. And you don't get that. You, you we don't have that now. Mm-hmm. DM where you have five small indie publishers dropping gems. We have maybe two or three every so, so often because the gems are dropping onto the crowdfunding space. I uh, agree. Yeah. It's it's nuts and and I love it and and it's because I think because of the direct market and how it's changing and how how uh you know the um, not only is the direct market a big part of of how we get the books out to the people out there but it's also the relationships that we have with the LCS 
right? Because if we don't have that relationship with that LCS, they might think that we don't care about our comics. <laughs> so make sure that we're we're creating these uh, these relationships with them because ultimately those they're they're the pre- people that are going yeah. into there. They are the face that people are seeing when they're going to the shelves, and, and they are the ones that are that are speaking and saying, "Hey, this is the book you need to grab." Right. So we need to somehow, some way, you know, bridge that gap uh, and and win them over somehow. Uh, and I think I think if we continue to do great things in this industry with this medium and continue to put out beautiful art just like this, I think we can do that. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, I know one thing with like the uh, with the um, local comic stores is like I've been I haven't started that yet because I know that one thing that's important is to have like dependability of release. Right. Like your release schedule got to be steady and um so i wanted to make sure i have like you know a batch of them before i release to local comic stores so that way i can pace it and space them out uh rather than like being nervous that the next one's not going to be done in time you know um so that's why i'm waiting for i have three and four almost done and they should be like hopefully i'll have them printed by january and then i'm going to start uh hitting the comic stores with this one which is the first one and then that way, hopefully, I can release really do like a um, a quarterly release, and then hopefully by like twenty twenty six, you know, release like mm-hmm. graphic novel in stores, like the collection of all six. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing too, if you're selling in stores nowadays, is people want to buy. A lot of people want to buy graphic novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's uh, really good to kind of to to think about this too in the in the crowdfunding spaces to create this um this the sales funnel right and it's if you can catch on to it you can continue to keep keep it going and you can you can start a really nice release date the release release schedule right give yourself a release schedule just like anybody else would uh and and make sure that you are growing your base every single time that you are doing so this in between the the, the kickstarters you're, you don't want to just put your head down and, and work. Right? We want <laughs> you to do that. We want you to do that, but make sure that your head is still popping up every once in a while in that in that in that uh, social media space. That is so important to point mm-hmm. out because that happens to me all the time. <laughs> like you're just focused on like making it, like actually making the thing, and then you're like, "Oh shit, I'm not out there promoting it. Like I haven't <laughs> done anything in like three weeks. <laughs> like I gotta." Yeah. Three, three weeks that. is like three decades on social media. Seriously, yeah, people will forget be. about you. <laughs> uh, CJ, crowdfunding is saving indie comics. Direct market sales are now on on average selling under one thousand units for issue. Yeah, and I I agree with that. And this piggybacks something on on to kind of respond to something you said earlier, Dean. About uh, you know you you kind of didn't know that Kickstarter was like the best way to go for a creator that didn't have an audience, but I. I kind of found the opposite was true. I had been really struggling to find an audience and find a publisher for years on end, sending out pitches, never hearing back and really banging my head against the wall. What really made the difference for me was getting that first Kickstarter out there. And that was what built momentum for me. And I think that that really is, I don't think I could have built that momentum. had that book just gone out to shops, uh, depending on when it happened, it could have, maybe if it was 2019, that might've worked out. But I think nowadays it lets people, it gives you just a little bit of seed money. And then, you, know, you said you were kind of using this to subsidize the production a little bit. Uh, I think that without, not that anybody's getting like buckets of money on their first book, if they're coming out there without an audience, but it gives you, a, it just gives you a little bit that you can kind of justify doing it, especially if you're, 
you know, in, I'm an artist, so it's a real time investment when you put okay. something like this together. And just to have a little bit coming in there, it makes it easier. You know, you're not just you're not just like throwing throwing this out into the void and hoping something comes back. You can kind of get a response. And I think even to to speak to going to shops eventually, um, I know some shops really don't like it when it's like this book has been on Kickstarter. People already have it. But I, I think the corollary to that is, hey, this this was out in kind of a free market and it did really well. Right. And people bought people it like this um, <laughs> and it's worth noticing. So I think that That's, if anything, that it gives them it gives them numbers to look at for the yeah. ROI. Right. It's You're like, this, here, I've, I'm, I've done the work for you. I've already done the yeah. market research for you. I've already done this. <laughs> I've tested this small pool because guess what? Kickstarter is still just a small pool. Crowdfunding is still small pool. Right. It, it's it's not when you when you when I hear this from from LCS and and the and DM uh, pubs and stuff like that, I'm just like, are you guys insane? That's not true <laughs> because it because this space is just a small fraction of this of of what we can actually reach. And you guys and and it, it's BS when I hear him say that because number one, here's here's the, the thing that can happen, right? We can literally talk. I can. I can. T if I got in front of a front of a publisher and I said, "Listen, if you guys got together with each and one of these these Kickstarters, really like it. Let's say you got a really great great book you want on your hands, and you want to publish this thing, but you're kind of discouraged that it is in the in the crowdfunding space, or it's going to be." How about instead of doing that, how about you piggyback on the printing with them, right? Go into a partnership, let them print the kick, the, the crowdfunder uh, the covers, right? Then here you go. Here's your investment. Pay for your own covers and exactly. then or or have them or whatever you want to work out there. Have new covers for the direct market side and then have them continue to do things. Maybe they don't go forward with the next issue on, on Kickstarter because now you can finish it out in the direct market and then throw a graphic novel on Kickstarter and then partner with them with your branding on it. Like, and then, and then, and then what you can also do is print at the same time, right? Yeah. Now you pick it back to the printing, print at the same time, print your, your Kickstarter books and your DM books. And now all the printing's done. Right. You've you've done you're 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 already done there. So I mean, yeah, especially when I can get you above that threshold where you're getting breaks on your printing. And it just uh -huh. I think that I can definitely see like oh people the people that bought this book already bought it. I it makes sense. I don't completely agree. I don't agree at all, actually. <laughs> but you know, that's I, I think if anything, you're looking at something, it's like, hey, this was up against 20 other things, and people stopped and looked at this and supported it and and not something else. Yeah, I think that's the end of the day takeaway. And I, I agree completely when you look at the opportunities there are for these people to work yeah. together, um, get those costs down and get, you know, that's distribution's a little tough. I don't know what specific cooperation might might make sense there, but for printing, goodness, absolutely. And uh, CJ just wrote, uh, direct, mar Go ahead. Just, direct market seems to respond better if you give them something unique after the Kickstarter, like a new cover make the direct market a different experience and yeah, yeah and it, it should be and it is i mean and, and i would and i would even say this i would i would say this is make the crowdfunding space a different experience right mm -hmm. make that experience a lot more interactive bring people into it give them better rewards give them if if you are planning if let's say your book is picked up already by a by a a publisher right you want to create a different experience 
then give the Kickstarter space a premium book, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe whatever that means, give them a premium book and then go push out your regular issues over here. Maybe they got some really good. Maybe you have some really great back matter with the direct market stuff, but the premium stuff on the Kickstarter, right? Now you have two different things. Now you can show them, hey, guys, this actually does really good with some premium options as well, right? let's let's so so all these numbers are are great that they, they, all this stuff it just works for numbers so that you can show them look at guys the market here is here people want this people want this stuff um and they're going to continue to wanting it from me are you going to take the investment and i think i think i think that's what it is now the, the uh, publishers uh don't want to acknowledge that that uh the industry is moving over them and and they don't want to see that now they actually have to make an investment in each of their creators now and right. before they didn't have to make much of an investment because they, they, they have to justify their cut because because they were the investment right we were taking the 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 you know the the we were investing in the direct market. We were investing in the publisher. Now, now the market's changed. And, and I think I feel, in my opinion, the industry's completely flipped where we're the investment now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that like even like the big name artists are going over to Kickstarter now, almost like back in the 90s, they were going over to Image because it's like yeah, Kickstarter wants less of a cut than these publishers. My oh, fans. My, yeah, it's not even close. I mean, it's <laughs> I, unreal. My, and then stores also get a cut too, right? So I mean, mm-hmm. you think about that cut, and then if you're going through a distributor like Diamond, then they get a you know cut. What that, you know what that means? That's right. That is right. That's the middleman. We right. cut out the middleman. Right. We don't need the middleman anymore, right? Because we are going to the direct to the, the we're we're not direct market, but we are direct to consumer. Right. right. And I, mean, so, I, I totally appreciate the job of distributors and the job of like organizers yeah. and who do all that stuff. But like now they're going to have to start justifying their cut because it's exactly because we can do it ourselves now. Yep. And if you mm-hmm. can't justify like what you can bring to the table and also you're going to have to get a smaller cut than they did back in the day. Yeah. Like that's not going to be the point of order moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just do a better job. I mean, if you look at <laughs> I, I see so many retailers on YouTube. And then the first thing is like, here's all the damaged books I got this week. Like, oh my god, dude, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listen. How that I know, I know a printer who takes better care of the books that he ships out after he prints them, and the better than than uh, the distributors do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, he ships direct to consumer. I I have I know because this is what we do, man. We have we have resources. We have we made we put made ourselves to where we have all these different uh, resources for creators. That's that's why we are called the Geek Collective. That's why we do all this stuff. That's why he's a 21 year vet, and I'm I'm uh, uh, not that long, not that much of a vet, <laughs> but but I know a little bit of uh, my thing because I am in advertising as well. Um, so so we kind of both have that background and. and uh, and I just kind of we just took what we know here and kind of just incorpor- we were already incorporating it into, you know, the crowdfunding space and, and selling our own stuff. So now we're, you know, we're doing this stuff for, for others as well. We just helped finish uh, one for for uh, Kickstarter for Brian Hawkins. Um, we, we did we did we, there's all kinds of stuff that we do. We're, what was we, the book? Uh, Cars is just finished up. He uh, it didn't. Uh, he's he's got so many crazy things. He's 
doing the stuff breakneck speed. And he's like, he's like, I'm, I just want a quick three, four, five grand, and let's move these things out because he's got plans for them. So you guys, Brian Hawkins got a, a crazy schedule for the next three years. Seriously, yeah. uh, and there's some of the guys that are like that. We have people oh, who we plan this stuff out. Yeah, this is a good one. Years and, and he's years got years he's ahead. got a lot more ready to go too. He's got like three books done, right? Three or four books done. Yeah, he's got a whole plan for him. Like he's got it's it's nuts, man. Um, and that's not that's just <laughs> that's just on his own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we got the Batman nerd. We have uh, publishers hardly offer page rates and want to own most of your IP. Now with Kickstarter, we show them we don't need them; they need us. Um, yeah, and then uh, he ta- then he talks about don't push the red button. Can't wait for that because we just finished a, a campaign that we did through our own um, uh, page uh, for for a bunch of really cool creators who curated it and stuff. And they, it was an anthology with over 30, 30 plus creators, 11 different stories about uh, would you push a red button if somebody was offering it to you? Yeah, but the catch is somebody close to you might die. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one that one is going to be we're going to be fulfilling that one hopefully in the in the um as looks like schedules are doing really good we're on the email chains uh we got to give you guys a quick update because there's some emails and stuff that we've been looking at the schedule is looking to be we're on schedule we might leave a little be fingers crossed if everybody sticks to their schedules that they're saying they are we could be a little bit earlier so so let's just let's fingers crossed on that one but it's going to be a really really cool looking book um, very cool geek collective we are going to be me and ben are going to be designing that book for you guys so it's going to be a really beautiful experience yeah i'm excited i'm excited to good. get a hold of that and start yeah. start putting that one together because it's a cool idea for an anthology um it it's yeah. a good it's got a good flow to it it's not just like here's one here's the other um so i think that one's gonna be special i think people are gonna really enjoy it it's gonna be really cool ben, ben is gonna get to uh, have some fun with filling out some pages it's oh yeah really cool. yeah Get the graph designs going. <laughs> yeah, very, very cool. That one seems like it would be something right alongside. Uh, Love was that show Love, Death, and Robots? Yeah, yeah. It, it does Black Mirror, Mirror that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I don't like to think about Black Mirror though. That that show traumatizes me. <laughs> <laughs> that be pretty Love depressing. Robot, yeah. Robots is a little more tame. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and some of those shows, man, are scary. <laughs> I will say Black Mirror. I've held off watching because I'm just like. <laughs> I'm gonna, I've had a pretty good day. If that one brings me down, like Black Mirror, which this. one was that? Is that that? Which one is Black? That's that anthology, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a Twilight Zone with a yeah, science okay. fiction yeah. edge yeah. to it. Yeah, um, no. it really. I'm it's a... usually dystopian. I think every episode but one, it's like a the ending's really sad. And then one, I think one one story called San Junipero, it goes well. So I, know, I started watching that zombie one called Black Summer or something like that. Now we'll just, oh, I've we'll seen see that. that. I mean, my wife watched that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, this this is so freaking fun. Like, I love Kickstarters, and we could sit and talk about this stuff all day, man. But um, Yeah, so like, um, I also think I, I've been posting stuff out on different sites too, not just like Global Comics, but also... Um, webtoons uh mm-hmm. tapas uh and then smaller ones too that you know there's two small ones that i get the most audience engagement from um mm-hmm. that's uh web fury is one of them okay uh or comic fury and the other is uh duck web comics that's and so- uh, they even did a review um Very so cool. that's why like i think sometimes 
if there's not an exclusivity, it's good to like mm -hmm. double up your efforts. And sometimes yeah. if you're like mm -hmm. a smaller guy, swim in smaller ponds, you know, cause like you might be able to get some yeah. more interaction, some more engagement, um, some fans that'll actually like promote your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, they'll follow yeah. you like, and that's, and that's what it's about, right? Finding your, like th there's, there's this creator that I work with and, and ever since I've known him, like he's always pushing his stuff. Like it's always like, it's he's always moving telling us just like anybody who like a salesman right you feel like like you see all those old school movies and things where they make fun of the salesman who's always just always on right mm -hmm. that's what it's almost like you have to be that that for your for your brand you always have to be on and you always have to be looking for opportunities to sell oh yeah, yeah i mean I, I and i th i think uh a lot of that too is thinking about what you would like you know what what makes you buy something yeah uh what makes you back a kickstarter rather than just going to the store to get it mm -hmm. exactly yeah yeah um we got about what 15 minutes left um let's talk let's can you give us a quick uh 30 second pitch to your to your book really quick one more time and we'll talk a little bit about that before we before ben and i start talking about all of our good stuff that we got coming up <laughs> yeah for sure um so jake sunrise is uh a werewolf who's also a bounty hunter. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily always come out directly right away in the issue. Cause I feel like, you know, that's like going um, a little bit too quick. So it's more about who is Jake sunrise as a person? Is he a hero? Is he just like a bounty hunter? Does he have a higher code of ethics? And, uh, and it also kind of asks that about the people that he works with too. And so uh, I think if you like stories that are character driven, um, but also allow you to kind of imagine a lot of it yourself as you're reading through it and kind of engage with it and have to work a little bit harder, I think it's a good story. The artwork is gorgeous. It very, sure is. Absolutely. That's, that's just such a killer image. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's awesome yeah. stuff. I was looking through it on Global Comics and I was like, holy crap, this art is freaking amazing. Yeah, you know, the first cover I ever saw on a comic as a kid was that uh, Wolverine comic where he's, or X-Men comic where Wolverine's on the cross. Oh, and yeah. it's all in those like neon greens and those purples, okay. like not realistic colors at all. Mm -hmm. And I wanted a, a feel of that with this cover. Mm -hmm. um, and so like this one came out better than I could have possibly imagined. Yeah. Yeah, ben, ben plays around in, in a in a sandbox quite like that too, a little bit where where it's it's he's got this noir world, but but the colors do not you know uh, show show the feel yeah. like it's a, a, a noir world, but the but the tone like it's it's just I love when when uh, artists do that right. You have this the the colors and all this stuff, but it's it's the whole feel of everything that kind of gives you that vibe, and and it, and sometimes the war the colors or the flip side of the color i guess kind of works yeah, yeah it doesn't have to be about realism right well yeah that's exactly what i was going to say when you look at some of the comics like the one you described they had uh, i think this is something we is a little bit of a, a drawback that we have all these great tools to color comics is you don't really you just do the standard thing because it's so easy to do and it, it looks pretty good but <laughs> in doing that you kind of get caught up in in not necessarily thinking things through. And when I was doing Scarlet Twilight, I went and looked at a lot of old Golden Age comics mm -hmm. and saw how they used color because they just didn't have that many colors to use. Um, they had to get pretty creative. And then I think that carries through to the early 90s, right before they switched over to the, the computers. Yeah. Um, 
you could see really mainstream comics would be, you'd have to really justify those choices now that they'd make with color. Um, but they, they were just doing that all the time. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, yeah. but you got a lot of interesting stuff. And I think it, it's good as an artist to step back and say, well, yeah, I could just do this and give you a good amount of contrast and, and give you what, what would be the local color if you're filming something. But you also got to think like, yeah, I could also just make this background red and it would look cool and it would say something. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It would save you so much time at the same time. Yeah. You got to yeah. be a little bit economical with that. Right. 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 Well, Will, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. You can, yeah. you can hang out with us while we, while we talk about all, all of our stuff and all of our spill and all that good stuff. Uh, but uh, Ben, I know there's, there's one thing that we always talk about at the end of our shows because we, are big huge advocates we talked a little bit about it a little bit ago where we talked about how how you when you receive your book sometimes they come damaged and melt stuff like that so we are big huge advocates and we always push our gemini mailers over here so if you guys go to gemini mailing supply because we are an official gemini mailing supply partner you guys can head on over to gemini comic supply.com and uh, at checkout, type in Geek Collective 10, and you would get 10% off your whole entire order. Seriously, uh, uh, my buddy Alan sent me uh, a picture of his uh, of his receipt the other day. He saved a really good amount on some of the books that you guys are going to be receiving or have already received. And I guarantee it, those, can, those things came back looking gorgeous because they were not damaged, because they were protected by a Gemini mailer. So head on over to Gemini Mailing Supply and hit Geek Collective 10 at checkout and get 10% off your whole entire order today. Um, I Ben, I know you're you're freaking you you love using these things. I know you can give me a quick testimonial about about one of your horror stories. Oh well, I've, I've had a few where stuff just shows up damaged. I'm not a huge collector, so I you know I don't really get too bent out of shape. But I discovered when I started running my first campaign that people really, really care about that stuff. And it, it became important, obviously, to respond to that. I think that you can never you can never take too much time to carry your project through well at every step. And the last step is the fulfillment. And granted, somebody could still like crush your Gemini mailer, but nobody's going to look at that when it shows up and think like you didn't give a crap and you, you did the right thing, you know? So it's really just I would, I would just say it's best practice. Um, yeah, it shows that you you cared about this thing. And I mean, in my case, these things take way too long to draw to send them out half-assed. So that's what I always that's yeah. what I always say. Definitely, yeah. So you guys can save yourselves a good amount of money if you guys uh, hit Geek Collective Ten at checkout. Um, and then uh, we're we're we are a full service comic creative studio. What we do here is we give you guys uh, all kinds of really cool creative solutions. Everything from concept to shelf we will help you guys with everything in between um right now we are working on a handful of different things just head on over to geekcollective.net um slash crowdfunding and that will send you there that will give you a list of all the really cool stuff that we do um we also have an a la carte so if you guys are looking to kind of you know uh you know if you don't need some things if you need more than the other you know you can kind of play around and make your own kind of uh a la carte menu and uh and hit us up and we will help you guys out right now we're we did have cj hudson i think he's still there we're going to be helping him out with one of his really cool stuff the uh, things coming out we call it we we have it's got it's one of those 
books with a really huge long title <laughs> so it's gonna be fun um we call it tiny islands because it's got this long title but it's gonna be really cool it's, it's he told me that it's a retelling of a really cool japanese kind of manga story so it's it's something different than that what we've done in the past he's it's different from what i've seen him do um and and it's gonna be really really cool like there's cj right there um so make sure you guys are checking out cj hudson and all over the all over the place uh check uh, he's on on x and all that good stuff twitter uh and then uh um kickstarter is where you guys want to make sure you guys are following everyone everybody um because they're going to be doing some really cool stuff there we also had our buddy um uh who is uh working with us on this new adventure that we're going to be doing um my buddy uh rafael flores he's uh he is the writer of uh, mother wolf and cubs we're going to be doing a little bit of something do we want to tease that i don't know if we want to show anything but we want to tease that uh what we've been doing ben we got we, we're going to be dropping something here we want to show that image um it's okay this is a word this is there's only three people watching right now so you three people <laughs> are okay to, to see what we're let's this is a work in progress because i saw a typo in there so that we're not this is not final okay. I, and i have not shown this to to rafael so you, go ahead and toss it up there this is going to be this is our preliminary one of yeah, our I options mean, this is bring a it up in preview so it's not in my uh... work in progress geek collective is going to be working on a really cool um kickstarter that's going to be dropping in february so we're hoping if we can get everybody's uh you know deadlines hit we're hoping to to early to mid february we're going to be dropping we're going to be actually doing a comic book magazine um this is an independent geek culture magazine we're going to have uh collabs with the geek network we're going to have our buddy uh canadian oranges he, he always does this really cool stuff on um on x where he's talking about the uh, you know writing pools well, he's going to write something up for us and our pals over at oneshi press they're going to be answering some questions for us and where they're going to be talking to us a little bit about what they have planned in 2024 um we've got a uh story from benjamin who is going to be introducing one of his newer characters um that is coming from uh, the world of scarlet twilight ace falcon uh and then we're also going to have um Mother Wolf and Cubs, which is the cover that you see here, is from our friend uh, Raphael, who is he? This is the, the Batman nerd. That is our friend Raphael. This is his work. Cool. This is his, one of his covers to his book. It's a really cool short story that follows a mother uh, werewolf and her cubs. And this is La Llorona. Uh, she is uh, actually taking her children, and she's going to take them to the river. If you guys don't aren't familiar with the Mexican folklore, the woman uh, had. Uh, killed her children in in a river and uh she was cursed to kind of bring other people's children and kind of do the same thing with us so it's uh kind of that little folklore twisted thing that we got mexican culture in there so we're going to be bringing that story to life here in this magazine and we also have our friends over at rabbit hat studios they're going to be uh working with bad bug media to bring out a brand new story called beneath the lighthouse it's a uh a man uh like let me pull up the log line because alan sent me the log line the other day and um it's a really cool log line it's super easy super quick uh, um 
but it's really cool. Where's it at? I got to find it because I said, dude, you got a log line. And I was like, oh, that's so perfect. Uh, I can't find it now. Is that but the one you sent me? Oh, yeah. You sent me some yes, pages for that. I, I did. I sent you some pages. I think I sent you the, the log line too. But anyway, it follows a man who is uh, who is kind of shipwrecked on an island where where this or or where this lighthouse happens to be and he's he doesn't know if he's the only one there there might be something sinister on the island along with him and he just might have a big huge bag of money so um check that one out it's gonna be really cool they're gonna we're gonna have a first handful of pages there where they're gonna be launching that one uh, on kickstarter very soon as well so Geek Collective, we're gonna hopefully we're gonna be doing this kind of like a quarterly uh magazine. We might do this again next year. We're, we're gonna start it out doing it once a year um in February. Maybe we'll if, if we can do twice a year, uh, if we can sustain this and do it again, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to do that again. But right now we're planning on doing this really cool thing. Um, it's gonna be a comic book sized magazine, kind of giving us like a tip of the hat to like the you know the old school comic mags of old. So um, this is this is one of the things that we've been planning on doing. Yeah, I'm excited. This yes. should be, should be a yeah. lot of fun. So then we're gonna. So this is all the reason why I'm saying this is a work in progress is because I we have been working on a cover as well. And and we're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of pick pick between the two or three or whatever we come up with, and uh, maybe we'll only have one. I don't know. Maybe somebody's gonna talk me into uh, doing doing uh, all of them. Probably me, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, but this is a work in progress. We're gonna be coming up with some really cool stuff. This is called Archetypes, um, and uh, we're gonna be doing a really cool uh, Geek Culture magazine. So. And we will be looking for people to um, to contribute in the, in the near future. So if you guys are interested in wanting to do something like maybe even throw some ad pages in there for your Kickstarter, um, we're hoping to do this. We're going to do February and we're going to do a um, March, April print, hopefully, depending on how quick the, the everything comes through. Um, and then and then we're going to do a distribution immediately after. So make sure you guys are um, are check, taking care uh, or or checking out our um, us on Kickstarter um, right now. It's under my name It's Joey Galvez. So you just look me up and, and uh, follow me there. And uh, this one will be cooking off next year. Very cool. Yeah. Exciting times. I'm pumped yeah. for this one. And, and we got so much else, else going on. There's there's a the, the soft, like I said, soft uh, launch for the comics crowdfunder. We got so much other stuff in January, February, March is going to be really, really busy um, for us us helping other Kickstarters and building Kickstarters. Um, we're gonna we're starting on building another Kickstarter for um, Brian Hawkins because January first he's going to be dropping another Kickstarter. So we're already ten days behind building this is this Kickstarter, guys. So, <laughs> so make so make sure you guys are following us and everything going on because man, my head's spinning with all the stuff that's going to be happening. <laughs> yeah, should be, um, should be a hell of a year. Absolutely, yeah, hell of a year. I don't. I, I think that's about it, man. That's all I got. So make sure you guys are just following us on Kickstarter. Head on over to geekcollective.net/slash/crowdfunding if you guys are interested in our services. Right now, oh, I forgot. Right now, we are we are offering a forty percent off. Uh, our full service uh, uh, services solutions right now. So uh, that's, that's pretty good. Like uh, CJ Hudson took advantage of that. He pre, he pre bought a campaign for 2024. 
Like he's like not playing. He's like, this is my seat. This is what's happening. You guys like you are going to do this. This is what we're doing together. So if you guys want to be like CJ, uh, pre-order your 2024 campaign with us, you'll get 40% off. Um, that's like that's seriously it's it's just a handful of coins in your pocket <laughs> so make sure you guys are checking this out um i don't have anything else ben um you got anything man i got one thing uh my comic is coming out next year it's a sequel to scarlet twilight it's called uh, cobalt crisis basically it is if um let me bring up the preview here i'll show you the image um it's basically a crisis on infinite earths or secret wars that happened in the 1940s and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be really epic there's gonna be characters you do not expect to see who show up in this and uh a lot of yeah. twists and turns it's as big as it gets We've got planets smashing together universes crumbling and uh captain lancet at the center of it all so it's gonna be a lot of fun uh it's gonna be on zoop next year um probably gonna do some other stuff with these characters on kickstarter as well and are we gonna meet our friend him. ace falcon in this ace one falcon too? yeah yeah let's okay. bring him up here here's uh, his falcon. first page um, so this this is going to be what in in the magazine here. So we're going to see yeah, this is what's going to be an archetype. Oh, it's going to be so cool. So I'm very excited for this one because man, I've been such. Listen, before I started doing any of this comic book stuff, I was a huge fan of of Ben's, and now he's working with me and all this stuff. So I'm excited oh, for this to actually happen, like with us. And 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 Ace Falcon is such a really cool freaking character. Um, I love Captain Lancet and all all this Scarlet Twilight uh world that you've been building so uh i'm i'm you guys you guys are in for a treat i think so i think so should be a lot of fun all right well i think that does it for us been a good uh we're coming up right on 59 uh here we're on time it's just like when you pump like exactly thirty dollars of gas or something like that (laughs) here we go hurry close it out so we're good i'm I'm ready i think we got to do it (laughs) see you guys later see you guys later dean thanks for coming on um and uh have a good week we'll talk to you all next week awesome